Hello, welcome to Quality Starts, your home for fantasy baseball and the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast. Visit DynastySportsEmpire.com for the best dynasty leagues in all the four major sports and more. I'm your host, Joseph Ciccone, and with me as always, my co-host, Be Daring, Mr. Get Off My Lawn. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. How's your weekend going, Be Daring? Not bad. How's yours? Mine's really good, actually. Really good. good. I'm enjoying myself. It's very relaxing. Had a lot of quality time with the family, so everything's going well. We're going to do our sleeper episode this week, and before I get into that, I want to talk about the Orioles. Major League Baseball released a list of all of the teams in the major leagues and their chances of making the playoffs. The Orioles were the only team that came in with a 0% chance. Be daring. What do you think of that? I don't think it's possible to have a 0% chance of anything. I mean, there's always a chance of something, right? I agree. that I would say they have a chance, but it probably is close to a 0% chance. I don't mean well, to bash your Orioles, but... That's not what they're aiming to do this year, right? I mean, they're, they're a rebuilding team. The rebuilding is going well. Uh, it's being done by the right people, by the former Astro uh, regime. And they've come actually a long ways since two years ago. So I'm happy about it. I don't I don't need to see a percentage of a chance to make the playoffs this year. They they know they're not gonna make the playoffs. You mentioned the old Astros regime that's over there building the team now. Have they installed the center field cameras yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, the, we'll we'll wait uh, on that until uh, we get a little better. <laughs> you don't want to waste it, right? Right. All right. With that, I just had to um, I had to stick it to you a little bit when I saw that come out for Major League Baseball, knowing that you're an Orioles fan. Yeah. Nah, it didn't bother me. I figured it, that it wouldn't. With that, with that, we're going to get into our sleepers, just like we've done in previous episodes before we tell you who our sleepers are for the upcoming 2021 baseball season. We want to tell you our definition of a sleeper so you know exactly where we're coming from with the players that we've chosen. So be daring. Please, can you give us your criteria for a sleeper? Someone who's not getting very much attention at all in drafts so far this season. Uh, Some of my sleepers uh, haven't been drafted at all, even in some of the deep rosters that I'm a part of. So any 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 time you have a very low uh, draft pick uh, being attached to these guys and someone who will make you very happy after you expend a very low draft pick on him. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm I'm looking at guys that if you're in a in a standard redraft league these guys are probably not getting drafted, or most of them, in your deeper leagues, your dynasty-type leagues. The players that I've chosen, if they're getting picked, they're going extremely late. We're talking, you know, rounds 35, 40. I do not look at guys who maybe they're a top 100 pick. People think they're going too late. They should be going, you know, in the sixth round instead of the eighth round. Well, that's not a sleeper in my eyes. That's a player that everyone knows about, everybody's looking at, that, that will produce, and maybe they're just a little undervalued. That's not a sleeper in my book. I want everyone to know exactly where we're coming from. 
B. Daring, why don't you lead off? Give us one of your sleepers. I don't care about the position. I don't care uh, if if you want to rank them. You can uh, throw somebody out there for us. All right. Well, we're going to have to start with an Oriole. Uh, of course. About, right. How about uh, Cesar Valdez in the Oriole bullpen? Not too many people are aware of him, I don't think. He's 35 years old. He's spent most of his career in the Mexican League. He did very well in only 14 innings last year for the Orioles, a 1-2-6 ERA, opponent's batting average 143. He had a high ground ball percentage of 52.6. He is probably probably has the slowest fastball in the major leagues at around 85, but what defines him is his changeup. Uh, he throws it 83% of the time. It's only travels up there only at 78 miles per hour. And batters swung at it 34% of the time when it was outside the strike zone. Again, a small sample size, but it shows you how much he can miss bats. If you get him on your team, you might have either a high leverage reliever or a starter. He was a starter in the Mexican League. He was 15 and 2 with a 2.26 ERA in the Mexican League in 2019. 17 walks, 122 strikeouts. So pay attention to what the Orioles do with him in spring training. If they try to extend him out to be a starter, uh, you might have a, a sleeper starter on your hands. Uh, so I think uh, that's someone you can get very cheaply, and he might turn out to be something for you. Way to go deep right out the gate. That is a deep, deep sleeper right there. I'm going to start with somebody who is a little bit more well-known, Jared Walsh. He came up with the Angels in 2019. He didn't really do much, but in 2018 and 19, he developed power at the minor league levels. He had 29 home runs in 2018, 36 in 2019, got a small cup of coffee, didn't do much in 2019. But last season, in the shortened season, he hit nine home runs and 99 at-bats. And the part that I love the most is that he only struck out 15 times. For a guy that's going up there seemingly trying to hit home runs every time to only strike out 15 times, that's excellent. If he can carry over that low strikeout rate into the 2021 season, he's going to be a cheap source of power, and look where he's going to be hitting. He's going to be hitting somewhere in the middle of that Angels lineup with Rendon and Trout either hitting right before him or right after him. So he's going to be in a desirable spot. Even Upton will be hitting near him in the lineup. I know Upton doesn't produce like he used to, but... That's a good, solid veteran hitter. He's going to be in a position to hit 25 to 30 home runs, and where he goes in drafts, he's going to be a steal. Yeah, I like uh, I like him a lot. I drafted him uh, a few times in some of the 22 drafts I just finished. Uh, so, yeah, I like, I like him a lot. I, I think in your deeper leagues, he's universally owned. But in a standard redraft league, look at him in your later rounds. He could be a cheap source of power. You know, once April comes around, he starts hitting home runs. He's going to be a hot waiver wire commodity if he was not drafted. I, I like to get those guys 
before I have to bid for them in waiver wires. Moving on, I'm going to look at the bullpen. Richard Rodriguez in Pittsburgh. Their bullpen doesn't have a clear closer. I think it's going to be Richard Rodriguez. In 2018, he posted a 2.47 earner on average and a 1.07 whip with 88 Ks in 69.1 innings. 2019, he struggled, but last year he bounced back. He had a 2.70 earn run average and a .86 whip, an under one whip. He had 34 Ks in 23.1 innings due to the shortened season. Even in 2019 when he struggled, he had a 3.72 earn run average, which is not terrible. It's not closer type production. But two out of the last three seasons, he's been dominant. They've got nobody else in that bullpen. He goes late in drafts if he's even drafted. If you're like me and you like to wait on on getting bullpen arms and, and wait on getting saves, he's a perfect target for you. Be daring. Who else have you got for us? Uh, how about uh, Colin Moran of the Pirates? I don't think uh, too many people target players in the Pirate lineup. But uh, this guy is just coming into his prime, I think. He should be their cleanup hitter. And I saw one metric on him that made me stop and say, I'm going to draft him with a low draft pick because no one else will draft him highly. And I'm going to have something on my hands here. And that is his soft contact percentage versus his hard hit percentage last year. His soft percentage was 9.4%, hard hit percentage 40.2%. So this guy mashes the ball. That stopped me in my tracks and sold me on him right then and there. Yeah, he's another example of if you're in a shallower league, he probably won't get drafted. But in the deeper leagues, he's there in the later rounds. He's got a job, an everyday job, which is important when you get into those later rounds of deeper leagues. And like you mentioned, he's entering his prime. You mentioned Moran right after I mentioned Rodriguez stating, you know, people are overlooking pirates. Well, I got another pirate. I think Brian Reynolds is another sleeper. In 2019, he hit 314 with a 377 on base percentage and an 880 OPS. He only had 16 home runs, which doesn't sound impressive, but he had 37 doubles. That's a heck of a lot of doubles for a guy that was in his first season. Those doubles will turn into home runs. I don't expect him to put up huge home run numbers, but if you happen to be in a league that counts extra base hits in general or total bases, he's going to be a superstar producer. I know he struggled in 2020, but we can forget that. You know, 2020, we saw we saw players reporting to spring training, getting all ramped up. They were ready for opening day. Then they came to a screeching halt. Then they didn't know when they were coming back, if they were coming back. Then in July, they finally got back with a short and abbreviated spring training, headed into an abbreviated season. I'm writing off his 2020. I think the player we saw in 2019 is the player. Even in his season that he struggled last season, his home run percentage went up. His walk percentage went up. His percentage of fly balls that went out of the park went up. Dynasty Sports Empire's Brett Siegel wrote an article on expected 
on base average. I kept seeing Brian Reynolds pop up in there as a guy who might have been a little bit unlucky last season. So these are things to keep in mind. He's going to play every day. I really love him as a, as a late-round draft pick this season. And there's yet another Pirate for any Pirate fans listening. Yeah, I think his off-season last season uh, really depressed his average draft position for this year. Uh, so you can capitalize on that. Yes, exactly. So be daring. Throw another name out there for us. Uh, Joseph, uh, let, let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever heard of a pitcher named Tom Seaver? Yeah. You're, you're familiar with him? Yeah, he's the greatest Met of all time. This guy came within one strikeout of equaling Tom Seaver's all-time record of 10 strikeouts in a row in a game. And he is not getting very much attention. And that's Tyler Alexander of the Tigers. He struck out nine men in a row in one game against the Reds last August. While I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Seaver, I'm also saying that it takes some sort of talent to do that. And on a pitching staff like the Tigers, I think a guy like that will be able to win a job. I think the Tigers have been talking about a six-man rotation also. So the opportunity there for him is going to be there. Uh, He had a a strikeout per nine inning figure last year of 8.4 against only 2.2 walks per nine innings. He's got a four-pitch mix. I think you you can draft him very low or even pick him up as a free agent. Again, you might you might uh, have something there. You're digging deep. If anybody out there is listening and you're playing in deeper leagues where you're at the end of the draft and you have no idea who to pick, please take notes on these guys that that B. Daring is throwing out. I, I thought I was going pretty deep, but you're going a lot. You're out out deepening me. I got to say, I'm trying. Um, the next guy I I picked is another guy. He's a known name. Omar Narvaez. When I look at the catcher position, in my eyes, he's a top five catcher. He never gets drafted there. You can wait, wait, wait on Omar Narvaez. He's a career 267 hitter with a 355 on base percentage. He's not going to knock your socks off, but he's going to play every day and he's not going to hurt you. A lot of catchers out there that you pick up, they're going to hurt your batting average. They're going to hurt your on base percentage. I'm not into that. Just give me a solid guy that is going to be in the lineup every day, that is not going to hurt my ratios, and that's what I look for in catcher. He did hit 22 home runs in 2019. If he can get back to that, he's definitely a top-five catcher. And he often goes maybe catcher number 12. People are always chasing chasing potential with catchers, and that, that potential rarely materializes, it seems, at the catcher position. Catcher position, in my eyes, is just a wasteland in fantasy. So who else have you got for us, B. Daring? Well, I don't have any supporting data for this guy. I I just have a feeling, though, that Chris Davis, with a K, is going to come back and have a strong season this year. And I base that only on the fact that he's going to be in a much better hitter's ballpark now. He was traded to the Rangers from Oakland. Uh, so I think uh, I think he's going to have like a kind of a new lease on life 
in this uh, hitter's ballpark. Uh, and he, I mean, he did just three years ago hit 48 home runs. Uh, again, I, I know he's 33 years old. I know he's been declining, but I just have a feeling that this change of scenery is going to benefit him uh, quite a bit. Sometimes just a feeling is all you need. That guy was crushing home runs for several years. I look at him late in all my drafts, and he always gets scooped up just when I'm about to you know, jump and take him. He does go really late. He's often completely overlooked until the later rounds. If that guy bounces back, he's a league winner if he does what he did three years ago. But right. three years is a long time, but he is well worth the gamble in my eyes. The next guy that I was looking at is Tommy Listella. He doesn't put up massive numbers, and he won't put up massive numbers. But he is a 274 career hitter with a 349 on base percentage. In three of the last four years, he's had an OPS well over 800. He's never really had a, a pathway to 500 plate appearances. He's going to get that this year. Sam Fran brought him in. They paid him not a lot of money, but they did pay him. And they didn't pay him to sit the bench. He's likely to lead off for them, which is going to give him a lot of opportunities. I know the lineup isn't the most feared lineup in the league. But again, this is a guy that has been, he's been in the major leagues a long time. Let's face it. He's been putting together quality at-bats for a long time as well. He doesn't have much power, but he did develop it apparently later in his career. He changed his launch angle, which is en vogue, and he could hit you 20 home runs. And one of the best things about La Stella is he, he's going to play multiple positions. Depending on format, he could qualify at four positions for you, which is valuable, valuable, especially in your deeper leagues. And he also walked more than he struck out last year. Like I mentioned, he's been giving quality at-bats in the big leagues for about almost a decade now. I mean, Just, no, who, who else can you say that about uh, in the major leagues? Uh, well, Joe DiMaggio. And at Joe DiMaggio, DiMaggio and Luis Arraez, they're in the same caliber, right? One and the same. Yeah. yeah. Give us another name. Are you running out yet? Oh, no, I still got lots more. All right. So who's up? How about uh, Jordan Luplo of the Indians? Right now, he is nothing more than a platoon player. Uh, he only plays against lefties. But his his splits are extreme. His OPS versus left-handers lifetime is 982 and 589 against right-handers. If he ever figures it out against right-handers and becomes an everyday player, you've got something even more. But even as he is, you're going to have an asset on your fantasy team. Put him in there any day he starts against a left-hander with his 982 OPS. I mean, that's like getting a, a Trey Turner or... Jose Abreu in your lineup for that day because they had 982 OPS figures uh, last year. You never you never know if these platoon guys are going to figure it out against the other handed pitchers. Uh, remember, Josh Hamilton was a platoon player in 2007 for the Reds, but then when he was traded to the Rangers, the Rangers made him a full-time player in 2008 at his, in his age 27 season, and he had 32 home runs and 130 RBIs. Uh, well, Luplo is entering his 27-year-old season uh, this year. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be Josh Hamilton, 
but I, I think the, the potential is there for more at bats if he does well this year. And as I said, even if he doesn't, just just put him in there whenever he's facing a left-hander. I like where your mind is at on this one. I had him as a sleeper last season, and I had him on most of my teams for the reasons you mentioned, and man, he burned me. So I've been avoiding him this year, but if you're in a deeper league and you can just plug him in there when he faces lefties, you've got you know some solid production right there. I'm looking at another player who, in my eyes, is similar to Tommy LaStella, and that's Chris Taylor. This guy finds a way to get 450-plus at-bats every season for the Dodgers, but he rarely gets drafted because he doesn't ever have a starting position. He's never number one on the depth chart anywhere. He's going to get three to four starts a week just filling in for guys, and at some point, somebody will get hurt, and he'll get extended playing time. This is what happens every year. He doesn't give production to write home about, but he's solid. And the best part about him is he's going to qualify at multiple positions. Just a tremendous, tremendous bench asset for your fantasy team. And a guy that, quite frankly, just gets overlooked. Yeah, I, I, I love those I love those multi-position players. It gives you so much versatility on your roster from day to day in fantasy. Uh, you, you, you can always use them on a particular day to fill in for somebody who has an off day and you and you wouldn't normally have someone to fill in at that position. The, these guys can can fill in all over your roster all year long. Let me add one more thing about Chris Taylor. He's a doubles machine. So depending on your league scoring, he could be a tremendous asset. Be daring. Give us another name. How about a uh, starting pitcher for the Rockies? Uh, I, I, I think people shy away from pitchers uh, at Coors Field. Uh, it, it's it's a traditionally a death knell for, for, for any pitcher who, uh, who pitches there on, on, uh, for, for your fantasy team. They, they're, they're avoided like the plague. But uh, take a look at Antonio Senzatella. I look at three things to determine if you can draft a Rockies pitcher or not. One, does he rely on a fastball predominantly rather than a breaking ball? Two, does he have a high ground ball percentage rate? And three, look at his record at Coors Field. Antonio Senzatella checks all those boxes. He had a he uses his fastball 56% of the time. He has a 50.8 ground ball percentage, which you want at Coors Field. You don't want that ball in the air and at Coors Field. And last year, he had a 2.10 ERA at Coors Field versus 4.62 on the road. So his splits are actually go the other way. Uh, his whip at home was 0 0.99, and it was 1.41 on the road. So this guy isn't afraid of pitching at Coors Field, and that's the key, I think. And he's got the particular skills in order to do that. You mentioned people avoid Rockies pitchers like the plague. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to socially distance every Rockies player away from my – every Rockies pitcher away from my roster. I, I, while I agree with everything you said, I just don't want to deal with the headache. 
I mentioned this guy, I think, a couple of times in previous episodes, but Miles Straw. I've mentioned in the last episode that he might be the starting center fielder for the Astros. Well, the manager has said as much. It's his job in center field to lose. There was rumors that they might go after Jackie Bradley Jr. It seems like they're done with that path. So Miles Straw, center field, he's going to get the, get the opportunity for over 500 at-bats. This is a guy who stole 70 bases in the minor leagues in 2018. And on top of it all, they're talking about possibly hitting him leadoff. If he doesn't hit leadoff, he's going to hit ninth. That's going to hurt his value tremendously, obviously. But if he's leading off, they've still got a good lineup there in Houston. He's going to have the opportunity. You can get him for next to nothing in your drafts. Don't expect any power, though. If you get this guy, he's a one-category guy. But much like an Adalberto Mondesi, who's going to cost you a top 25 pick, you can get him like pick number 400. And he can do the same thing for you, potentially. He could um, really, really have a tremendous impact at a fraction of the cost of some of the other stolen base guys in fantasy baseball. Do you have another player for us? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to piss you off and give you another Rockies pitcher. Uh, you, you seem to be uh, prejudiced against Rockies pitchers. so I'm, gonna I'm give you angry. I'm so angry. I'm, I'm giving you another one. This time a reliever, uh, Yancy Almonte. Uh, again, uh, not even if he wasn't on the Rockies, I don't think very many people know who he is or is paying much attention to him. He's got the same skills as Senzatella. He's uh, in 2019. He threw his fastball 57% of the time. Last year, he had a 56.3 ground ball percentage, and his home ERA last year was 3.86 coming out of the bullpen. So. He can pitch at Coors Field. You would be, you would be happy with all of the uh, with all of those figures, but the fact that he pitches at Coors Field uh, prejudices your opinion of him, I think. Uh, but if you if you just look at the metrics, uh, he he's not afraid to pitch at Coors Field, and there's certainly a wide open battle for uh, the high leverage spots in the Rockies bullpen this year. He had a, uh, he, he allowed a, a, a lowly 4.9 barrel percentage uh, last year. So, so only, so less than 5% of the batters that he faced barreled up on him. So uh, again, he's, he's missing bats. He's getting ground balls. He pitches well at Coors Field. He might get a high leverage spot in the bullpen. What else are you looking for for a reliever on your fantasy team? I'm a little more inclined to take a gamble on on a bullpen arm for the Rockies. He's a big, strong kid. He throws in the mid-90s. And like you mentioned, the bullpen rolls are completely up for grabs. Well, maybe not completely, but it wouldn't be hard for a younger guy with a with a good arm to go in there and work his way into some high leverage situations and like you mentioned there's a guy another guy that's being ignored so if you're looking for bullpen gambles I'd say you picked a good one there I want to stick with the bullpen also I'm looking at Sean Doolittle he's going really late in drafts if he's being picked up at all he recently got signed by the Reds and I have to believe they signed him to be their closer 
They've got nobody in that bullpen with closers experience. I know he struggled in 2019. Last season, he struggled as well, but he only pitched seven innings. I'm not even going to count that. He has a career earner on average of 3.07, and his career whip is under one. He's got experience, and that's often what these managers look for. How many times have we seen an older closer as a free agent get brought in late to a bullpen with no closing experience? That guy, nine times out of ten, gets the closer's job, and either one of two things happen. They continue on the struggling path that they were on when, when they, um, before they were let go or let walk from their previous team, or they recapture something and they have a big season for you. As late as he's going in drafts, if he falters and loses the job by May, who cares? You drop him and pick somebody else up. He won't cost you much. But I have to believe that the Reds signed him to be their closer. And when you get a closer that late in a draft, you grab him. Do you still have any players that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I got a few more. Yeah, uh, I've got a. The, the next two uh, would be not appropriate to pick for a redraft league, but I think they are. They should be targeted in dynasty leagues, and neither of them are being drafted very much, even for the deep dynasty rosters that I'm a part of. I, I've I've seen both these guys after the draft is done, still be available to pick up as a free agent in in these deep leagues. The first one I'll mention is Ivan Herrera, catcher in the Cardinals system. He's 20 years old. Somebody's got to take over for Yadier Molina eventually. It won't be Ivan Herrera this year. It won't be Ivan Herrera next year. But I think... Because ne- next year they've they've got a couple of mid level prospects who will take over for Molina. Molina just signed a one year contract, so if he retires after this year, probably either Andrew Neisner or Ali Sanchez will take over for him, unless of course they make a trade next year. But in 2023, I think they're targeting this guy Ivan Herrera to be their starting catcher. Uh, in 2019, he uh, showed some uh, power uh, in the minor leagues in uh, A and A plus ball. He had nine home runs, 47 RBIs. He walked 40 times to 72 strikeouts in 87 games. Uh, so he's putting up the stats in the minors. They like him defensively. So I think you are looking at the starting Cardinals catcher in two years. I like where your mind is at, jumping in with some of these minor leaguers that will be good sleepers for dynasty leagues. I have another similar guy. Well, he's not a catcher, but Joey Cantillo. He was in the Padres organization. He got traded away to Cleveland. He's a big six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound left hander. In his age nineteen season, which was two thousand nineteen. In A ball and high A ball, he had pitched a total of 111.2 innings. He gave up only 70 hits and five home runs. He struck out 144 batters and walked only 34 in those innings, finishing up with a 2.26 earn run average 
and a .93 whip. He gets overlooked because he doesn't throw that hard. Before the 2019, or during the 2019 season, I'm sorry, he was touching 90, maybe 91. Last year in spring training, they said he was touching 94. Keep in mind, last year he was heading into his age 20 season. It all got canceled. We didn't get to see him move up in the minor leagues and see what he could do in double A. But he seemingly is getting stronger. He's a big kid. And the number one thing is he has four pitches and he commands all of them. That's why he's able to amass so many strikeouts and have such a low whip. He has incredible command of multiple pitches. He gets overlooked, I believe, simply because he doesn't throw that hard. I can't wait to see what he does in the minor leagues this season. If he does anything close to what he did in 2019, he's going to quickly show up on top prospect lists. He's not showing up there right now. Another guy I picked, similar, a minor leaguer, this guy's for your dynasty leagues only, is Luke Little. He got drafted, I believe he was picked number 108 in this year's draft. The Cubs picked him. He's a big six foot eight left-hander. And he throws 105 miles per hour. That's all I know about him. I know he's supposed to be wild. But hey, he throws 105 miles an hour. He's six foot eight. You just can't find that stuff. Throw him deep on your bench in a dynasty league. See if these professional coaches get get their hands on him. And if they can let him get a handle on that fastball, he should be up in the big leagues closing out games in a couple of years. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I was aware of either one of those guys. I think I saw you draft either one of them or both of them recently in a league in which we're both a part of. And uh, I said to myself, "Oh, there's there's Joseph uh, drafting this guy. I better look him up." Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, he uh, you uh, you really uh, turned me on to uh, both of them. Wow, good. I'm glad about that. You mentioned you had another uh, dynasty type guy. Who who else? Yeah, I I just picked this guy up as a free agent after the draft was done in a league consisting of uh, around sixty guys on your roster. So I don't. Again, I don't think very many people are paying attention to this guy. Uh, and that's Kendall Williams of the Dodgers. Uh, He's 20 years old. The Dodgers acquired him from the Blue Jays in the Ross Stripling trade last year. And and let me uh, me tell you, if if the Dodgers like somebody, if the Dodgers target somebody in a trade, then I like them uh, because the Dodgers know what they're doing with pitchers. Uh, This guy is 6'6", 205, and then scouts say he, he could be a top-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, he, he's part of that next crop of starters coming up with the Dodgers, uh, along with uh, Josiah Gray. Uh, and, and they say he's got a, he's got a deadly curveball. Uh, and, of, of course, part of the reason for that is the leverage he gets because he's 6'6". So that, that's why a lot of scouts look for these tall pitchers, uh, not only for the power, but for the leverage that they create, uh, that they can create on their uh, breaking balls. So I th- uh, he, he's only 14% owned in, in Fantrax leagues. Uh, I, I think you can get this guy really, really cheap. 
I'm going to have to look into him because I got to be honest with you. I don't know anything about him. There you go. Well, see, we're, we're, we're doing something for each other here. Yeah. Yeah. But problem is I think you're in all my leagues, so you probably already own them. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> be Darren, Do you have any other players that you'd like to mention? Well, I, I started with an Oriole and I'm going to end with an Oriole. Uh, I think Keegan Aiken is. I've mentioned. I've mentioned him before. I think he's going to have a breakout season. Uh, I, I mentioned him in our breakout uh, uh, potential uh, players episode, uh, and I'm going to mention him again. His, his ERA last year for the Orioles was 4.56, but his FIP was 3.27. Uh, he had a 12.27 strikeouts per nine figure last year, and that's because of his changeup. His changeup is more than 10 miles per hour slower than his fastball, and that's what gets the job done. Uh, his batters swung, again, batters swung at pitches outside the strike zone 27.2% of the time against him last year. And that, so that's a clear indication that he can miss bats and that's a key if you pitch at Camden Yards, and it limits his it, it limits the home runs that he gives up. He gave up 1.05 home runs per nine innings last year, which is a godsend if you're a starting pitcher on the Orioles because because they set all kinds of records two years ago giving up home runs. This is a guy that they can rely on to not give up home runs, to give them a chance to win any game that he starts. With starting pitching being so hard to come by, a guy like Aiken, as late as he goes in drafts, I mean, you cannot argue against taking a flyer on him. I have one more guy. This is a guy, I don't, honestly, I'll be honest, I don't think he's going to do much this season. But there is potential there, and that's Daniel Ponce de Leon. I'm trying to get him late in drafts on as many teams as I can. What role is he going to have this year? I don't know. He could be a starter. He could be in the bullpen. There's talk of him being in competition for the closer's role even. We don't really know. One thing I do know is whenever I read about the best fastballs in Major League Baseball, his name always pops up the spin rate all the wacky metrics that they're using nowadays he always shows up he's 29 years old he's going to get you a lot of strikeouts whatever role he's thrust into he's a guy that the cardinals organization really likes they really like him for a reason if he can settle into a bullpen role maybe a starter's role and have success he's going to be a home run Another thing, if they do put him in the bullpen, he's a starting pitcher in most leagues. So you can plug him in that starting pitcher spot and get yourself some extra holds or saves or strikeouts. He's just a guy, I'm just curious to see what he can do and where they put him. And I'll scoop him up. He's worth the gamble with that fastball he's got. Right, right. Time to get him is now before he becomes a hot commodity whenever his role is defined. Once that happens, he's, he's going to be a hot pickup on the, on the waiver wire. So you got to get a guy like that ahead of time. 
you know, you're right. Once they announce the role, whether they put him in the bullpen in high leverage situations or throw him into the rotation, either one of those announcements makes him a hot pickup in March during spring training. Like you mentioned, you want to you want to be ahead of the curve on this. Uh, that's why I mentioned Miles Straw before they announced it was his job to lose in Houston. Uh, that's why we've been we're mentioning some minor leaguers today as well. For those that are in dynasty leagues, you want to be the first ones. Nothing um, gets under my skin more than I'm reading up on a prospect or I, I see a prospect and I'm like, ooh, this guy looks really good. And I go to the waiver wire and someone's already got him. It, it makes me mad. Like, how did he know about him before me? We're going to move on now to our Adopt an Orphan part of the show. And our orphan this week, if you go to DynastySportsEmpire.com under the Orphans tab, we're in a head-to-head points league. It's a 14-team league. It's D25. We're looking at that team. Be daring. What can you tell us that is appealing about this team that would make you want to adopt this orphan? Well, I can tell you uh, I was looking at this team last night, and I almost pulled the trigger. So they almost were not an orphan, uh, but they, they, they still are. Uh You've got uh, Matt Chapman, Jose Ramirez, Clint Frazier, Lords Guriel, uh, a very underrated hitter, Michael Brantley. Uh, you've got guys who don't strike out a lot, which is really important in uh, head-to-head points leagues because you're going to have you're not going to have as many negative points uh, for strikeouts for these guys, whereas players who play the same position for everybody else will get more negative points for them. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, he doesn't strike out a lot. Tommy Edmond, Kittel Marte, they're going to be productive hitters without striking out a lot. They've also got a great breakout candidate this year on the Tigers, Heimer Candelario. They also have someone I know is a favorite of yours, Joseph. Uh, they've got Dom Smith of the Mets. Uh, so they've they've got that. That's a really solid uh, hitting lineup. I look at the hitting on this team, and what I see is solid production at every position with no question mark. You got Clint Frazier Brant, and Michael Brantley on this team. Clint Frazier has just been handed the starting left field job. That guy's finally going to get a chance. Did I miss it? Did you even mention that Jose Ramirez is on that team? Oh, yeah, I mentioned him, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I must have been somewhere else. Uh, looking at the pitching, you Darvish. Blake Snell. You've got Adrian Hauser, who's a younger guy. He's not well-known. I really like him. I think he can give you a lot more than for than what he is valued in fantasy leagues. Looking at the bullpen, they got my guy that I mentioned, Sean Doolittle. In a 14-team league, one closer can be the difference from week to week because there's just not that many closers to go around for a 14-team league. You've got Sonny Gray, John Lester, Dylan Bundy. You've got Cookie Carrasco, who I think is going to have a, a good season because he has a good season every year. Taiwan Walker, I'm not a big fan of his, but people really seem to think what he did last year was for real. What do you think about Taiwan Walker? Well, I think he is, again, He he's one of those guys who, 
after a trade to a new team uh, might give him a boost. Uh, I, I think he, he he's going to be competing right off the top of the bat uh, for a job in the rotation with all of the uh, starting pitchers the Mets are compiling, and I uh, I think he'll he'll win a job. Oh, I think he's already got the job right off the bat. To be honest with you, I think that's why they signed him. He's going to have a lot of competition. You know, you mentioned this to me the other day, and I really, you said, how many pitchers do the do the Mets need? And in my eyes, they don't really have that many because a lot of the those guys at the back end are, it's volume arms. They're all like, what if guys? When you got what if guys, you really don't have anything. You know, they're solid at the top of the rotation, when they get Syndergaard back, they'll they'll be set. But at the back end of the rotation, it's all question mark. I do want to mention that, you know, Walker, he does have a career earn run average under four. He's not terrible. And in leagues like this, guys that are just solid that can go out there and start 30 games for you are valuable as heck. Uh, another pitcher we don't want to overlook on this squad is Framber Valdez. He had an excellent season in the shortened season last year. He's a youngster. Houston just seems to do good things with pitchers. Now, if you want to say they're they're cheating, whatever, they seem to do good with pitchers. Pitchers seem to pitch their best when they go there. Whether that can can continue with all the organizational changes remains to be seen. But he did really well last year, and he seems to be a pitcher that is on the rise. Any prospects you'd like to highlight on this team since it is a dynasty team? There's a ton of prospects. They've got the future third baseman of the Dodgers, Cody Hess. They've got the future catcher of the Mets, Francisco Alvarez. They've got the future shortstop of the Blue Jays, Aurelvis Martinez. They've got the future shortstop of the Diamondbacks, Geraldo Perdomo. And they've got the future shortstop of the Rays, Greg Jones. Uh, There's a lot of prospects for a dynasty league uh, that this team has. They've also got Travis Swaggerty, who more so than the guys that you've named is probably closer to actually making a major league impact. He was a, a top draft pick for the Pirates. He'll be manning possibly center field, which is, in my eyes, center field has become a premium position in fantasy. There's really not that many productive center fielders out there. And we also don't want to overlook somebody I know you probably have a special attachment to, Grayson Rodriguez, considered to have one of the top arms in all of minor leagues. What can you tell us, since you're the Orioles guy, what can you tell us about Grayson Rodriguez? When can, If somebody adopts his team, when can they expect him to be in the major leagues? Uh, simply put, he's the future ace of the Orioles, uh, I would say 2023. Enough said. That'll wrap it up for today, unless you have anything else to add, B. Daring? Uh, no, I think uh, I've exhausted all of my uh, all of my sleepers. Okay, yeah, everybody's probably tired of hearing us by now. So we're going to go ahead and, and wrap it up. I do want to remind everybody, please send your questions in to us. We really enjoy answering them. You can email them quality starts podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at quality start pod please send those questions in for be daring this is joseph sacconi we'd like to wish everybody a great weekend this has been quality starts take care everybody Stop.